Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the battle with the Ammonites as we pick up in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. 1 Chronicles chapter 20. And it came to pass after the year was expired and the time that the kings go out to battle, Joab led forth the power of the army and he wasted the country of the children of Ammon and came and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried at Jerusalem and Joab smote Rabbah and destroyed it. And David took the crown of their king from off his head and found it to weigh a talent of gold And there were precious stones in it, and it was set upon David's head. And he brought also exceeding much spoil out of the city. And he brought out the people that were in it and cut them with saws and with harrows of iron and with axes. Even so dealt David with all the cities of the children of Ammon. And David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. Now there is seemingly a discrepancy in the story here. First of all, the time of the year when they went out to war. There were times of the year which were uh, better for fighting than other times of the year. And so they just had times. This is the time to go to war. They, they had appointed times for warfare. We just fight all the time. But in, in those days, there were just certain periods, you know, they get the crops all in, everything is all set. Now let's go out and fight for a while, you know, before the spring planting. And so the times for the war. Now, the seeming discrepancy is that Joab went out against the Ammonites, fought and uh, defeated the city of Rabbah, and uh, David stayed in Jerusalem. But then we have David returning to Jerusalem with the crown and the jewels of the crown upon his head. So we go back to Samuel for clarification, and we find in the book of Samuel, that it gives us just a little fuller insight on this story, how that Joab went against the kings of the Ammonites. He came to Rabbah, and he saw that the city was delivered into his hands. In other words, he had more or less taken the city, and he sent a message back to David, and he said, you know, the city's ready to fall Come and lead the army in the actual capture of the city, lest they say that Joab captured the city. And so it was a very magnanimous act on the part of Joab in sending to David to let David be the actual conqueror of the city. So David then went on uh, and led the forces as the city of Rabbah fell to David, and they took the beautiful crown embedded with jewels that was uh, worn by the king of Rabbah and put it then upon David's head. And David and all of them returned back to Jerusalem. And so, as often is the case, a seeming discrepancy of the Scripture has a very simple explanation. 
It is interesting how that so many people get all upset because, you know, they imagine there to be these contradictions in the Scripture and all, and they point out these things. But yet if you dig a little bit, you'll usually find an extremely simple explanation for the apparent difficulties that people are always finding in the Scripture. And this, of course, as I say, is, uh, ver- is really told about in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and the story is amplified a little bit more so we find out exactly what did happen. Now, in uh, verses 4 through 8, we have the final conquest of David over the Philistines and the uh, slaying of some more of the giants, uh, no doubt relatives to Goliath, and the one with uh, the 24 fingers and toes that is six on each hand and six on each foot. That is not really too unusual a thing uh, for a child to be born with six toes. They usually amputate it immediately upon birth, and it makes you know no difference. It's just that it's sort of odd to have six toes, and so they'll amputate the sixth one. In chapter 21... And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go and number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. Now, this was a sin on David's part and no doubt a sin of pride. David, as I said, this is a record of the final conquest of David in chapter 20. David had been very victorious over their enemies. They had subdued their enemies. And I wanted to point out the one thing. It would appear that David cut them up with axes and swords or or plows and so forth. Actually, the Hebrew text is that David put them to work with these things. He actually more or less made slaves out of the people rather than cutting them up with saws and axes and all. Uh, This is a sin of pride. David's desire to number Israel in order that he might know how great an army of people he had behind him. And it was only those who were able to go to war that were really numbered. It was sort of a military registration or census that was taken, men that were capable of going out to battle. And uh, sort of a, a failure on David's part, definitely a sin. David later confesses the sin before the Lord. That of pride. I have an army of so many and so forth. And, and that of boasting in the military strength. Now, David later or earlier had written psalms concerning that we were not to trust in horses or trust in the armies, but to trust in the living God. And David knew this, that the strength did not lie in the number of military personnel in the nation, but his real strength lay in the Lord and in the power of the Lord and in his trusting in the Lord. And yet, David, human as he was, as we all are, 
decided that he would take a census of the military men. Now Joab, his general, who was a rascal for the most part, Joab objected to David's desire to take a census. Don't do this thing, David. It's, it's not good. Why should you, you know, bring the people into reproach and so forth by doing this thing? But David overruled the objections of Joab and insisted that this census be taken of all of the men of Israel. And so they brought to David the number, and there were one million... A hundred thousand from the tribes of Israel, four hundred and seventy thousand from the tribe of Judah. But Joab did not count the tribes of Levi and Benjamin among them because he actually detested the order that David had given to number them. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. So after having insisted overruling Joab, God was displeased and David immediately confessed his sin unto God and his own folly. Now, it is interesting that the Bible, and I'm glad that it does, relates to us the sins and the failures of the great men as well as their successes. So often when we are telling stories about our accomplishments. We don't like to include in our stories our failures. We like to sort of tell of our successes and make it appear that everything we do is successful. But if we were perfect, then how discouraging it would be for those who are not perfect. If David was a perfect man, if he never did anything wrong, then we would all of us be prone to say, yes, but David was perfect. I can see why God would use David. I can see why God blessed David because he was such a perfect man. But God can't bless me and God can't use me because I'm so imperfect. So God is very careful to record for us the mistakes and the sins of these men that he used in such a mighty way in order that we would not be excusing ourselves and, and saying, well, God can't use me. For God can use you and wants to use you in spite of the fact that you have failed and in spite of the fact that you're far from perfect. Abraham, the man of faith, had great lapses of faith. There were times when he sought to take things into his own hand, deceiving 
the kings concerning Sarah and his relationship. She's my sister. He didn't trust in the Lord to be able to preserve him from Abimelech or from the Pharaoh. Taking things in his own hands as far as an heir because he didn't trust God to give him a son through Sarah. The man of faith. Elijah, the great prophet of God, the man of faith, hiding in a cave cleared down in the Sinai, Mount Horeb, because Jezebel had threatened his life. Here's the guy that had upset all the prophets of Baal, took them down to the river and wiped them out, and now he's running because some woman has threatened to get him. And so the Bible records this for us so that you'll know that though Elijah was a man of great dynamic power, great faith, a prophet of God, yet he had these times where he ran and failed and was fearful and the whole thing. In order that, as James said, Elijah was a man of like passions, even like you and me, and yet he prayed and it rained not for the space of three years. Now, he, he wasn't some super saint. He wasn't some Clark Kent. <laughs> he was a plain, ordinary person, just like you and me. And yet God was able to use him because God uses plain, ordinary people. And God uses people who make mistakes. And God uses people who fail. And God uses people who sin. Because sin was not the chief characteristic of David's life. Righteousness was the chief characteristic of his life, though he did sin. Now, it is possible for us to love the Lord, to be living for the Lord, to serve the Lord, and still be guilty of sin. David was such a man. He loved the Lord. Now, as soon as he realized God's displeasure, and though he had been warned by Joab, don't do this thing. As soon as, he, as it was brought to his attention, this has displeased God, David repented. He confessed. And that's what sets David apart. So many times when we are faced with our guilt, we try to justify it. We try to give the explanations. Well, I did it because... We're so often like Adam. Well, Lord, the woman that you gave me to be my wife, she did tempt me and I did eat. And, and I'm trying to explain to God my reason for doing it rather than just confess and say, God, I sinned. I was wrong. Now, God doesn't want an explanation. God doesn't want you to justify your position. All God wants you to do is confess it so he can forgive it. As soon as you confess, then God has the grounds for forgiveness. And that's what he's seeking, just a confession of guilt. And so David confessed his sin. He said, Lord, I've done foolishly in doing this thing. And, and David recognized and acknowledged his sin before God. That ugly, horrible sin of pride 
that all of us find so difficult to deal with in our own lives. The sin by which Satan fell. What was it? Cromwell flee pride, for by this sin the angels fell. Or flee ambition. The idea of pride. Thus David was called a man after God's own heart because he was a man when he realized his guilt was willing to confess and seek the forgiveness of his sin. So the Lord spoke to Gad the prophet and said to him, Go to David and tell him that he has three choices. Either three months of famine in the land or three years, rather, of famine in the land, or three months to be destroyed before your enemies while the sword of your enemies overtake you, or three days of the sword of the Lord. Even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now the prophet said to David, Advise me what I'm to tell the Lord who sent me to you. And so David said, I choose to throw myself on the mercy of God. I'll take the three days of God's pestilence in the land because I know he's merciful. My enemies, no way. I know that they're not merciful. If I'm delivered into their hands for three months, that'll be it. So I'll take the three days for I know that God is merciful. And so the angel of the Lord went throughout the land of Israel, beginning to slay the men. And 70,000 of them fell by the pestilence in the three days. And the angel of the Lord came to Jerusalem to destroy it. And David saw the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword. Now, this must have been really something for David. He saw it there in the sky. The angel of the Lord with a drawn sword. It must, sword, it must have been a, a very frightening experience, to say the least. And David lifted up his voice, and he cried unto the Lord, the angel of the Lord, who was standing there between the heaven and the earth, having the sword that was drawn, stretched out over Jerusalem. And David said, hey, you know, I'm the one that sinned, not these innocent people. Don't destroy them. And so we find that David sent unto God, verse 17, Declared, is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done this evil indeed. But for these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be upon me and my father's house, but not on thy people that they should be plagued. Now, I think that probably one of the hardest things concerning sin is to see the effect that sin has on 
innocent people, my sins, to see the hurt that it brings to innocent people is always very hard. And no man lives unto himself. I've had a lot of people say, well, I may be doing wrong, but I'm only hurting myself. That's not true. No man lives to himself. Others are always affected by what you do, and sometimes in a very great way. And David was seeing the consequence of his sin, the damage that it was doing to these sheep. And he said, Lord, bring it on me. Let me suffer for my own sins. Not these innocent ones. But unfortunately, there are always those innocent sufferers for our wrongdoings, as well as, of course, our own suffering many times. So then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord there in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, because David saw the angel standing above the area there of, of Mount Moriah where a Jebusite had a threshing floor and a field. Turn with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Chronicles 20-21 through 21 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord watch over you this week. May the Lord bless you. May he fill you with his love, with his spirit, with his grace. That you might manifest the spirit, the nature of Jesus Christ in your relationship with others. That you might walk even as he walked in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As Easter is approaching, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is on the hearts of Christians everywhere and how they might witness this beautiful story to their loved ones. 
With this in mind, The Word for Today would like to present a special MP3 entitled My Redeemer Lives that includes 14 reassuring messages to answer the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and a life that should bring hope to everyone. Also included is a special presentation of the crucifixion from a doctor's perspective, as well as a powerful salvation message shared by Pastor Chuck. And when you order My Redeemer Lives MP3, we'll include a free CD by Pastor Chuck to witness to your loved ones that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. This CD, entitled A Risen Love, clearly presents the evidence to help others make a decision that will impact their immediate and eternal future. For more information, contact The Word for today at 800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.